Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Looking for a toxic-free nail polish option for your kids? Paint those piggies with Piggy Paint Nail Polish, a premium brand trusted by parents. Piggy Paint is a water-based, odorless formula that dries hard and is free of all harsh, smelly chemicals. With over 40 fun, vibrant shades available, this non-toxic nail polish is kid-friendly and safe for all ages. Enjoy gift sets, scented options, accessories, and don't forget the nail art. Grab your Piggy Paint today with 20% off at www.piggypaint.com backslash ingredients. Or just use code JUSTINGREDIENTS at checkout for the same offer. A graduate of the Juilliard School, Hannah Nealeman is a professional ballerina, wife, and mother to seven young children, and Mrs. Utah 2021. Four years ago, she and her husband left city life to become farmers, ranchers, and homesteaders. They now have a busting agricultural business in Camas, Utah, where they share their daily story on Instagram at Ballerina Farm. Welcome everyone to the show. I am really excited for today's guest because when I posted on Instagram who you guys wanted me to have on the podcast, she was the number one requested person that you guys wanted to hear from. And so I know. So we have Hannah here today from Ballerina Farm. And so she has such a fascinating story, so I'm assuming that's why all of you wanted to hear from her. So welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you, Carolyn. It's good to be here. Like I said, you have a fascinating story. I love your story, but I know we have listeners that don't know your story and why you're called Ballerina Farm. So will you just tell them a little bit about your background? Yes. Okay. So my husband and I currently... Uh, Daniel and I have seven children. We live in Camas, Utah on a farm where we raise cattle and hogs. Uh, We sell them to the end consumer, right? We sell meat, beef and pork to them. We also are first generation farmers and want to be homesteaders. So uh, right now when you click on my Instagram, like you see like a farming family, homesteading family, But what you probably don't know, some of you don't know, is that if you were to have seen us maybe five, six years ago, our life looked a lot different than it did today. So I'm originally from Utah, but I moved to New York City when I was 17. I was a professional dancer. I attended to the Juilliard School for dance. And I always thought that that's what I would be forever, you know, a a professional ballerina. I always wanted a family, but I imagined myself living in the city. I met Daniel when I was a junior at Juilliard and he was from Connecticut. He was living in Connecticut with his family right outside of New York. He knew the ins and out of the cities, the best trains to get to where. And so I just thought, you know, our life will be in the city. And we got married. We graduated from college. We had our first baby. Um, He was born in Brooklyn, New York. And I remember one day we were on the subway and I was nursing on the subway and Daniel looked at me and he's like, I don't, I don't want this for our, our life. I don't want this for our kids. And so that's kind of when we 
when I started to think, you know, okay, maybe city life isn't for us because Daniel's heart wasn't in it. I think I probably would have stayed, <laughs> but my husband's heart wasn't in it. And so um, what we did find ourselves doing was going uptown, like up, upstate, uptown to go to farms. We'd drive until we could see cows and little farms. And and that was something that we loved to do together. And then Daniel got a job in Brazil he served his LDS mission in Brazil. He always wanted to do business there. So he did, took a job as, at a startup security business there our, when I was pregnant with our second. And so we moved to Brazil and it was a really, you know, interesting time for me because I was pregnant with our second. Daniel's working a ton. So when we ever had any free time, instead of going to the beach, like most of the Americans did, we would drive inland to these beautiful rural communities because rural living in Brazil is still very much a thing. Like they live off the land still. And that's what we did. And we fell in love with uh, agriculture there. Really. It was watching these families grow their own garden, raise their own meat, have their own dairy cows. And we were like, this is what we want for our family, but how do we make it a reality? And so Daniel did a lot of research. He was like, I don't want it to be a hobby farm. I want it to be something that can support our family. And so we decided to do free range pigs because there was, it's kind of a niche market and we um, wanted to sell direct to consumer. And so we thought, okay, through social media, through Instagram, we can do that. And the reason we wanted to do that is because unless you inherit a large amount of land to sell to commodity it's really hard to make a living unless you have big plots of land for farming. And so we had, we started with a hundred acres. We started our Instagram the day we got our first four pigs and that's kind of how it started. <laughs> now here we are. And now here you are selling pork, beef, and a lot of other things like uh, sourdough starters. And every week it seems like you've got a new tool or apron or sourdough cookies, sourdough something. So you guys just keep yeah. expanding, which is so fun. Okay. So I'm curious to know how Daniel, did you both just have the passion? Did he have the passion to just move from city life to farm life? Like what desire makes you uproot everything you're used to and go to something new that you've never experienced? Yeah, it's a really good question because Carolyn, people ask me all the time, like, was Daniel on board for this lifestyle? Like, you know, how long did it take you to convince him? But it was actually the opposite. Daniel was raised just right outside of New York City. His dad is very successful in the business world. Like he had a, an awesome upbringing, but I think he wanted to give his children a something more um, hands-on, like hard work, manual labor, outdoors. And so Daniel has always loved the idea of agriculture and farming and having, you know, his children raised on a farm. And honestly, like when we got married, I did not know that at all. Like I, I was shocked when he first brought it up, honestly. But yeah, it was his idea. He he wanted his children to grow up in the in the country. So here we are. <laughs> and you were good with that idea as well, just to start something completely new. Yeah, it was. So Daniel kept his his day job when we first started. Like we had a dream of of supporting ourselves off the farm, but it took two and a half years to actually make enough money for him to quit his job. 
And so the first two years, it was like Daniel would work until five and then we'd go to the farm at, at 5.30 and we'd work until 11.30 at night. And like the kids would go to sleep and then we'd had little kids. They'd go to sleep in the car. I turned the heater on and we'd finish chores. And, and it was a hard, just like any startup business, like those first few years were very difficult because we were putting in a lot of hours, a lot of hard work and we weren't really getting anything in return, but we knew that it could turn into something. And like, we, we really wanted this for our family and our lives. And so we, we kept pushing. <laughs> well, it's incredible that you went from city life to something you didn't even know anything about. So was there fear involved and did you just ignore the fear and go? Yeah, there was like our parents, both sets of parents were kind of like, okay, I think they're going through a phase, you know, like let them get this out of their system. And that was scary. But like I said, like Daniel kept his job. And so I think that was a way for us to be like, okay, if you know, this is a complete flop, like we could, you know, we're still (laughs) back to that. Yeah. But after we had been farming just for a few months, like we both knew like, this is the life that we want. It was kind of like, yeah, like we're never going back to the city now. <laughs> like this is for us. Well, it's incredible. You had a dream and just went for it, did everything you could to make that dream happen. So do you tell people that have dreams, just go for it? Yeah, I think, you know, there's like, you talk about things so much, like Daniel and I had talked about this for about four years, like buying a farm and doing it. And then eventually, like, you just have to, like, do it, you know, you have to just jump in. (laughs) And especially with something this foreign to us, you know, I remember we bought the 100 acres and Daniel was doing a, like, day on the farm with the previous rancher. Like, he knew nothing about irrigating, raising livestock, fencing. Like, there's so many things that, like, we just had no idea And he was like, I'm going to spend the day with um, Farmer John, you know, and I have no clothes. So we we went to the local like Cal Ranch store and bought him muck boots and overalls. And we were just laughing like as he was coming out, trying on these clothes. He was like, "Okay, we're doing this. Like I bought my Wranglers. Wow. (laughs) So big lifestyle change. That is that's incredible. That is definitely leave your comfort zone and go fulfill your dreams in life. Good for you guys. Yeah, Because life is short. Life is really short. So do the things that lo- you love, like do the things that you that you want to do. And yeah. Yeah. Even if it takes you out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Okay. So pigs were your very first thing. How did right. you even know how to take care of these pigs? Because you guys are first generation farmers. So did you ask other farmers, Google, like, how do you know how to just become a farmer? Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of Googling happening. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we were when it all kind of came together, we were on a farm in Brazil and Daniel was talking to this farmer, rancher. He had this beautiful cattle operation, you know, they were out grazing in this green grass. And I remember Daniel came back and he's like, you know, I, I didn't really listen to what he was saying about his cattle. All I could see were the pigs that were also on the grass and they were kind of munching on fallen fruit and, you know, digging up roots and eating those. And he was like, that's what I envision for my pigs is to be free range like that, to be on the dirt, on the soil. 
And so when we first started, we got four pigs. We got three mama pigs and one boar. And um, we had them on pasture. And I think with anything with livestock is if you give them the right environment, they things go a lot better. But there was like so much, it still is happening. So much trial and error. So like a huge learning curve for us. But we, we, we had a vision of what we wanted to look like and we just, we just jumped in. (laughs) So when I met you guys and came up to your farm to, you guys were so nice to let us come see your farm. One thing that Daniel said that I, well, still sticks with me is he said, yeah, I didn't know how to raise animals at all because I had asked him, did you do farming as a kid? Like, did you know how to do this? And he was like, no, it's just something I wanted to do. So we learned how to do it, did it and jumped into it. So he didn't have the background, right? Right. So he just went for it. He just went for it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was really hard those first two years because, yeah, I mean, pigs, there's a reason why pigs are indoors a lot of the time. There's a reason why people use farrying crates where when when the mama pig gives birth, you know, she's in like a very confined space. Like we look at big ag with such um, critical eyes because it's like, oh, that that doesn't look right. That doesn't it looks inhumane. And there is some truth in that. But there also are reasons why people are doing that. Right. There's there's reasons why farmers are doing certain things. And one of the reasons why they put the mother in such a confined space is that mother pigs, they don't have any real mothering instincts until like the third day, right? So they'll have a litter of nine piglets. And during that time, like they're, they're the tiny little pigs and there's this big mama pig and she's stepping on them. She's laying on them. She's suffocating them when they're not in a confined space, right? She can get up, she can walk. And so the first few times we birthed piglets, we were experiencing this, you know, we had her in an open area you know, lots of straw. And it was like really idyllic looking at it. Cause it was like, Oh, this is, you know, what it's supposed to look like. But she was suffocating her piglet. Every time she'd stand up, she'd step on one. And so we were watching all these little pigs die. And so we were, you know, we were kind of like, how do we make it like this in a humane, beautiful way and so that was kind of our biggest learning curve when we first started is how, what's best for the animals? You know, how do we have them be happy and thriving at the same time? So, yeah, I think through a lot of trial and error, we've kind of figured it out. But Well, I love that you're figuring it out. I love that you're trying to make the best for these animals. I saw that when I was up there. You guys just love those animals and care for them so well. So question for you. How did the farmers nearby you treat you guys as being these first time generational farmers? Did they help you and help teach you how to take care of these animals? You know, when we first started, we bought a hundred acres. So we could afford, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere and there was no home on it. There was really no infrastructure. We got our pigs and we were just, you know, we were kind of expecting like everyone to, greet us with open arms, you know, these, these new farmers, but it wasn't so much the case. I think it's 
hard for these generational farmers and ranchers to see someone come in and try to reinvent, you know, because they, they work hard and they, they care for the land. And so I think they do feel a bit threatened by that. And we found that, and it was, it was hard in our first community. They didn't, they didn't like newcomers. They didn't like new ideas. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges those first two years is just the community pushback. (laughs) And that was, you know, eventually we ended up selling that, that property and came up to Camas, which was a lot different experience with the surrounding community, which it's been amazing and very welcoming. And we love it here. Um, so you do have to find your people, find the area that is open to that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's sort of like anything in life, really. Find the people that yeah. are going to support you. There's always going to be those that don't and those that will. Okay, so if someone is looking at pork in the store, are there certain things to look for? I think, I mean, for me, I I want to see an animal that's outdoors. I think it's just their natural habitat is to be outside in the dirt, rooting up roots, you know, in the sunshine, in the mud. That's what I'm looking for. I think animals thrive in that environment. So can you find pasture raised pork? I think in some, in some places you can, I think pasture raised is like a big thing for me. Your bacon though is amazing. It comes from a certain type of pig, correct? Yeah, so we raise a heritage breed pig. There's a few heritage breeds. We do Berkshire. It's a black and white pig, mostly black. It has a little bit of white, um, but we think the meat is just, it's more of a red meat, more flavor, um, a bit more fat, and yeah, it's it's really good. It is really good, you guys. If you have a chance to buy their pork off of Ballerina Farm, it is really good. Before I ask you more farm questions, I want to ask you, this was one of the questions that a lot of followers wanted to know. They want to know if you miss dancing. You know, I do. I do miss dancing, but I think there's a time and season for everything. Like I, I'm really happy with where we're at as a family personally. Like I, I'm very happy with where we're at. And so, yeah, I, I do dance as much as I can though. Like I sneak away to adult class once or twice a week and I give myself class in the house, you know, whenever I can, the kids are napping or it's after bedtime. So it will always be part of me. Like, I don't think it'll ever not be. It's kind of ingrained in me. So part of who you are. Well, I do love when you uh, dance on Instagram. It's always beautiful, but they also wanted to know if your little girls are dancers or if you will have them be dancers. Yeah, I think so. I didn't start seriously training until I was about nine years old. And I think I really appreciate my parents for that because dance can get very intense at a young age. And I think the reason why I loved it so much is because I was, I had a childhood, right. And I had, I was very free range and carefree as a child. And so I think when we put our kids into too rigorous of activities too quickly, they get burnt out and they kind of lose the love for it. And so I'm going to wait with Frances because she does love ballet and she talks about it all the time. Lois is just three and Martha's just two. So we'll see. But Frances has expressed an interest in it. But I'm like, I know if I put her in right now, she's five years old. 
that I would be, you know, I would care a lot <laughs> and I don't want her to get burnt out. So we're going to wait a few years and then revisit it. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's fun. I know the listeners will appreciate knowing, you know, about your girls, um, your boys though, we see on Instagram quite often roping and doing rodeos and things like that. So is that their love? They do love it. Yeah. It's, I think when we started farming, started this lifestyle, we really wanted to go all in. You know, I didn't want to be half living this. You know, I wanted to give my children the tools that they could thrive if they want to be in agriculture. Hopefully they do when they get older. Um, and and owning a ranch, like knowing how to rope a calf and knowing how to ride a horse and handle your horse and to work cattle. Those are very important skills to have when you're running cattle, because, you know, how we run our cattle is they're out on pasture or they're up on the range. And so when one of them needs to be assisted or they have a lame foot or something, that's when those skills come in handy, you know? So, and so right now for them, it's a a way to learn those skills, but to have fun, you know, to have, to make it enjoyable. And they're with these cute little cowboy boys and yeah, they're having a good time. They oh, like it. Oh, that's good. So did Daniel have to learn those skills on the farm as an adult? Yes, he did. And he's still learning. Like it's it's crazy how fast kids pick up things. Like they are just sponges. And so our boys, I mean, I, I don't want to throw Daniel on the bus, but like he's, the, our boys that are six, eight, and 10, like they're just as equipped on a horse as Daniel is, you know, they're <laughs> They're really, they're talented little cowboys. So it's fun to watch all four of them do it together. Well, it's fun when you show them on Instagram. So another question they had was, what is the difference of being a homesteader versus a farmer? Are they the same thing? Well, a homesteader, I feel like is, is more just for yourself, for your home, you know, and, and it's when you have, you know, one milk cow and maybe like two pigs and you, you try to be as self sustainable for your farm, your, your homestead, basically. And then I would think someone that's a farmer is doing it um, more for other people. Like they're raising animals to sell, to, to make a living. So you can be a homesteader without being a farmer. You can be a homesteader without being a farmer. I think so. Yeah. So a homesteader's out there milking their own cow to get their milk, probably have chickens for eggs. Yeah, they, yeah, just try to be as self-reliant as possible. And that will look different for everybody. One of my, I did Mrs. Utah last year and my platform was encouraging people wherever you are, you know, my life in New York City, like obviously I couldn't have chickens or I couldn't, you know, raise my own pigs or have a milk cow, but there are things you can do when you are city living or even in suburbia, like you can have a sourdough starter, make your own bread. Like if you're making your own bread for your family, you'll be shocked at how much less you are reliant on the grocery store. Like if you have fresh sourdough bread, it's a good thing to have in your home and to fill your little baby's bellies when they, when they need something to eat. So there's little things you can do wherever you're at to be more self-reliant, to be more self-sustainable and to create more and and consume less, I think is the goal for, for everybody. Right. 
Well, you touched upon two things because they want to know more about sourdough and they also want to know about your Mrs. Utah journey. So what inspired you to do Mrs. Utah? Good question. (laughs) So I, um, my dad's a florist, right? And we have, I come from a family of nine children and I was dancing. I got into Juilliard, which is one of the most expensive colleges there are in the U.S. for an undergraduate. So I, um, I did my first pageant right after I got accepted to Juilliard as a way to pay for tuition. Mm. It's a scholarship pageant for when you're that age. And so I continued to do pageants, scholarship pageants throughout college. So I did Miss Utah and then I did Miss New York twice. And it it paid for a, a good portion of my schooling at Juilliard. So I've always loved pageants. It's been something that I enjoyed and it was, I come from seven brothers. And so I think it was really good for me to be a bit more refined, (laughs) you know, (laughs) learn how to present myself in front of a panel of judges and to, you know, those feminine traits that I think are needed sometimes to just like how you carry yourself and walk into a room. And, and I just loved it. It was kind of a foreign foreign world to me, but I really enjoyed learning those skills. And so after I'd been farming, we'd been farming for five years when I was like, you know what, (laughs) maybe Mrs. Utah would be a fun thing to do. And and I did it with my sister and we really had a good time. So ended up winning Mrs. Utah, went on to Mrs. America and it was really good for our business. Good to, you know, promote small farms, self-reliant living was really a good time. So, well, I love, I loved watching the whole thing, loved seeing you win Mrs. Utah, but then tell them that at Mrs. America, you were what, five, six months pregnant walking across the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I was pregnant with Mabel May. I was four months pregnant when I competed in America. Yeah. And that's not a typical thing, correct? No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. But it went well. Like it, I feel like it was a, a good experience and everyone was really good to me. So, well, yeah. you, you looked incredible pregnant in an evening gown walking across the stage. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to sourdough now. So did you learn how to make sourdough as a homesteader or did you know how to do it in New York? No, I just started really you know, how the, why this all started is because I love a connection with my food. Like I, when my, when I was growing up and my mom would cook, she was always like going outside and, you know, foraging for dandelion greens or things around the farm that not farm, you know, the house that, that were edible. And, and she always, you know, had this connection to our food that, I think was instilled in me. They always had a big garden. We always ate from the garden. And so when I became a mother and was cooking, I was craving that same connection to my food, you know? And, and when we were living in Brazil, like I was always going to these little farms and like getting eggs from them and getting raw milk. I would get raw milk in these old, like Coke bottles. <laughs> and I loved it because I, I knew where it came from and I could see the animals and how happy they were. And they were outside and eating grass. And, and so I, 
I really enjoy cooking for my family when I have a connection to the ingredients, right? And and bread is a big thing in a household. You know, you you eat a lot of bread, at least most families do. And I've always had a hard time eating traditional bread from the store or even homemade bread. I I can't eat it really unless it's sourdough because sourdough as you know, it has a slow fermentation process. So because of that, it has, you know, a lot of good probiotics, it vitamin, more vitamins, minerals, and it also breaks down the gluten significantly. So it's, it's easier to digest. So could you not eat the traditional bread or bread from the store because of the gluten? I, I think it is gluten. I would just get a stomach ache. Like I would, I would feel bloated. I would get a stomach ache. And my mom's the same way. So I think, I think it probably is the gluten because anytime I do sourdough, like I'm completely fine. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, my, yeah. yeah, My daughter and I are the same way. We don't do well with gluten, but sourdough we can do. And I've looked a ton into it. And I know that like, if you do a slow ferment of 72 hours, it actually gets rid of 97% of the gluten or breaks down 97%. So it's quite a bit that it breaks down and pre-digests. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Well, I see you making a ton of fun things with sourdough. Didn't you do sourdough chocolate chip cookies the other day? Sourdough? Yeah, we're doing all things sourdough. My husband's like, I just <laughs> I just had our local soap maker do a sourdough soap. And he's like, okay, now we're bathing in sourdough crumbs. I'm like, yes, that's what we're doing. <laughs> so sourdough bread, pie crust, cookies, And if people don't have a sourdough starter, they can actually get a starter from you, right? And you mail it to them? Yeah, we started dehydrating our sourdough starter and then shipping it out with some rehydration instructions. And that's been going really well. And it's so fun to see, like people will tag me because I named my sourdough starter Willa. It's so awesome to see so many people starting sourdough and making bread for their families and... And making it a healthier way. And sourdough yeah, bread is how we made bread for thousands of years until just recently. Yeah. yeah, it's so simple. You know, there's there's three ingredients, water, flour, and salt. Like and there's, it's so simple. So yeah, it's kind of a neat thing to see. It is. And it's how our body best digests bread and it's the best option for bread out there. So I love that you're teaching others how to do that. Okay, so let's go back to the farm, maybe back to the farm and your kids. You have seven children, and we see them working on the farm all the time on Instagram. So are you just involving them in the business, trying to teach them how to be hard workers, trying to teach them life lessons? Yeah, so we we have seven children, and we homeschool the children. I, I was raised alongside my parents in the flower shop. Like I just thought it was kind of normal to go to work with your parents, be a part of the business. Like I was there washing buckets. I was helping customers. And my mom was pretty informal about our schooling. It was more like life school, right? Like we we learned a lot of business skills um, and almost all of us have gone on to be entrepreneurs in some way. And so I... We do do more formal school than I did growing up, but I do think that having kids know how the 
they're being supported financially is a really good thing. Like how mom and dad get food on the table, like what it takes to raise a family. And, and my kids know all that. They know that it takes work and that mom and dad are working hard and they chip in and are right there beside us carrying that mantle. And I think they enjoy it for the most part. Like I I do, I think my kids are, are thriving here and they're happy and they're outdoor a good amount of the day, which is also really good for kids. And I also think, you know, responsibility is good for children. I think that they, especially my boys, cause they're a little bit older. They, they do better when they have tasks, you know, like they have to go milk the cow and strain the milk and they, they feel pride in that once they're done and the milk's in the fridge and, and they feel, you know, very accomplished when they brand a, a load of boxes. Like they, they have that sense of um, accomplishment and self-worth. So I think those are really good lessons to, to teach children. Well, they look like really hard workers on Instagram, always, you know, <laughs> roping cattle and driving tractors, milking the cow, things like that. My listeners actually wanted to know more about your kids. And so question for you. Do they ever complain about doing these chores? Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> this morning, you know, in Camas right now, it's already very snowy. Like we have snow on the ground. We've had snow on the ground for about a week. And so, you know, anybody getting up in the morning to go out in the snow to milk the cow, like it's it's not ideal, right? But yeah, they they complain. We push them out the door. It's like, nope, this is your chore. But I think livestock, you know, it's so good because Charles, my boy that does the morning milking typically, like he knows that if tulip isn't milked by a certain time, like she'll get sick because Mm -hmm. cows get mastitis if they're not milked regularly. And he knows that. And so like he'll complain, but he's out the door without me pushing him too much because he knows that it's not just me telling him like the cow actually needs him to milk. And so same with other animals, like the cattle need clean water and they need, you know, fresh bedding because they're healthier. And so when, when animals depend on them, they, they're more apt to do it. They're less, they, the boys, especially they, they don't really like indoor chores. It's like help with the dishes. And they're like, now I'd rather go feed cattle with that. Well, that's good though, (laughs) that they love being outside. So they work outside, they they do their schooling, they do their rodeo stuff. Do they ever do electronics? We don't really do electronics right now. Yeah, we, I mean, occasionally they'll watch a movie maybe like twice a month. (laughs) Like we'll watch a movie on our computer. Um, But yeah, we don't really do electronics for our kids. Well, that's sort of nice that you don't have to deal with all of that stuff that's out there on the electronics. So, well, they're really fun to watch and meeting them in person. I have to tell everybody they are the most polite, cutest, well-behaved kids. So you've done a great job with them. Thank you. You must've caught them on a good day. No, they are really good. They They, are. They are good kids. Okay. So back to the farm, you do have more though than pigs. Do you have chickens or just cattle? So we have pigs. We have a lot right now. So we have pigs, we have cattle, we have chickens, we have eggs, but that's more just for our homestead. We don't really farm those, although we are going to start probably selling eggs locally. Yeah, we have a lot of fun things on the horizon, actually. 
for our local community. Cause right now we we ship almost like 98% of our stuff, you know, is all throughout the U S so we've shipped all 50 States. Um, and so our local community is kind of like, how do I just come to the farm and like pick it up at the farm? And right now we're not really set up for that. Like we're, we're a working farm. <laughs> we ship our boxes, but to have people like come experience the farm, it's, we're not really set up for that. So we, we did just buy some land in Camas that we're going to put up a little farm store and, um, we're putting up a little, not really, it's not little actually, it's a dairy because I've been milking cows for so long just for us, but we're going to milk them for the community around us and for our customers nationwide. So we'll be able to ship fresh butter and, cheeses and ice cream and all the the good things that I've been making for the past few years. So wow. those are rising. Yeah. That's incredible. I want to come up to your store when it's open. That will be yeah, amazing. It'll be fun. We're hopefully breaking ground within the, the next month. So we're wow. excited. That's really exciting. And I see you making butter. I've learned how to make butter because of you. So you're going to be able to sell that as well. Yeah. That's incredible. Okay, going back to the what you're shipping nationwide, because you're shipping a lot of beef. And so you have hundreds of cattle out there, correct? Yeah, so we ship our beef, pork, and then we started getting into some baked goods. So we ship like sourdough biscuits, sourdough um, chocolate chip cookies, which are so fun to put in boxes and and then we're shipping croissants, handmade croissants. Our baker makes croissants for us and sourdough starters. And then we do like a few kitchenware. Like I'll, I sell sourdough kits, proofing baskets, like you said, aprons, some wooden kitchen utensils. I also sell cast iron pans, just things that I like to use in the kitchen. So, so fun. So um, I'm going to ask you about your beef because people always ask me about your beef. What is so unique about your beef or what's different about it? Why is it so good? Yeah, so our beef, well, it's they're 100% on pasture. Like I went to Daniel's like, I need help taking a uh, loading a load of cattle for the butcher because we take a few every week during the fall. So we were loading up some cattle and they were literally like out on the pasture walking, drinking out of the creek, you know, munching on grass, like right into the trailer, right to the butcher. And I think for, for people that don't have a connection to their food, like they don't know where it's coming from. Like the label is incredibly important because that's all we know about it. Right. Is what we see on the label. But I think something that even trumps that is to be able to see how those animals are raised and to see if they're thriving or not, like, are they, are they healthy? Are they happy? Are they, you know, living their best lives? And I really think that our cattle are, so our cattle are on pasture their whole lives. Um, the last three months we supplement in the corner of the pasture, we have like a little grain bin where they can eat grain, which helps with marbling flavor uh, the tenderness of the beef as well. And then after they're butchered, we also dry age them for three weeks, up to three weeks. So that also breaks down the meat and um, it's just very tender and 
great flavor. So yeah, it is really good meat. I taste really good. So that makes sense. So if people are looking for meat in the grocery store, what should they be looking for on the label? Well, I think there's like a grass fed ground beef is like, it's great ground beef. But I think for steaks, like if you're looking for like a really good steak, I would try to find the like choice or prime sticker because that will tell you if it's like a really good quality meat or steak, something that you want to like keep eating. Um, You know, also like we don't use hormones or any of the junk that that uh, maybe bigger feedlots would use. So I set, I obviously try to stay away from that when I am in the grocery store. But yeah, I would just say pasture raised is obviously ideal. Dry aged is also really good for steak too. So, so pasture raised, grass fed, no hormones, things like that. Okay, so if someone is wanting to buy meat, milk, eggs from a local farmer, because that's actually something I keep suggesting to people, like go find a local farmer and support them and buy from them. But what Mm -hmm. should they be looking for or asking their local farmer? I think if you can see the animals, like I remember in Brazil, like I'd go to these farms and I would see the chickens like out in the field and they'd be scratching up bugs and grass and Um, They were just kind of free range and in the sunshine, like I wasn't, I didn't really have any questions to ask. Like I could see the animal happy and thriving and like that to me was enough. So if you can see how the animals are and if they're thriving and they look healthy and it's something that you want to look at, you know, it's like, oh, I, I don't feel bad for these animals. Like I do think they're happy. Then I think that's a really good place to be as a consumer. (laughs) it's a really good place to be. And it's also just so good to see how they're raised. Like, I think if, if we could see how all animals are raised, that would really determine what we buy or not. (laughs) So just if they're like out on the pastures, if they're being given hormones, if they're being treated kindly, things like that. Yeah. Like when you're buying from a small farm, like I don't know any, but uh, any small farms that use hormones or, I mean, the only time we use antibiotics is when one of our cattle is like sick. If it has like a, you know, an infection on the foot and like, we know that that infection would spread and eventually like kill the cow. Like we're going to administer antibiotics to that one. And like, it'll continue growing, it will heal. And by the time it gets to butcher weight, like those antibiotics are out of its system. Like we believe it's a good product still. When you see antibiotics, growth hormones, other things that they'd put in their feed is typically when they're in a big feedlot, like big commercial farming. And those, those places don't allow you to come see the animals, right? So if you're at a small farm and you can see the animals and they're happy and healthy and on grass, like I would probably guarantee that they're not doing practices that you wouldn't like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I tell people all the time, like we're a small farm and we do fa- small farm practices and that's like a really big thing for people. Like they, they want to see animals raised like that. So I love that you do that. And so do you think that all of this has health benefits for people? I do. I think 
like for me, when I eat our meat, like I feel like it tastes different and it also makes me feel better. <laughs> and it also like has, my mom always says spirit, like it has a good spirit. Like it just, it makes me feel good. And it makes um, me proud to see it on my table. Like I'm, I'm happy to give that to my children. And so I think if you're, if you're feeling like, you know, this meat has been raised well, it's been fed well, it's been happy. Like, I think that will be beneficial to your health as well. <laughs> okay, good to know. So I'm curious, as a homesteader, do you ever have to go to the grocery store? Or do you just provide your own milk, eggs, meat? What about fruits and vegetables? Yeah, honestly, this summer, I have been to the store twice. Wow. <laughs> so it's really cool. I like my parents have a big garden. We grow greens up here. So if you have greens, milk, eggs, and meat, like, and I do sourdough bread, like I do buy flour, but I buy that in bulk. We just don't go to the store a lot. Like it's, it's been so fun in the summer just to not go to the grocery store. I don't go enjoy going to the grocery store. It's like, doesn't bring me joy. So yeah, I don't go very often. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I'm there at least twice a week. I feel like you're lucky. You, um, but that's one thing I loved when I first started, or even when I wasn't farming, like I would try to challenge myself, like, you know, what things could I buy in bulk? Like, you know, buy a, a few 25 pounds of organic flour, right? Like I buy my Redmond salt in bulk too. And like a few staples like that you need, you know, on the daily. And then challenge yourself making simple meals. You can go a long time without going to the grocery store, I feel like. That so. is true. And I do love buying in bulk. And there's lots of good places to buy in bulk nationwide. And it actually saves you yeah. money buying in bulk. So Yeah. Oh. And then if you want, if like you have, find a local farm that can sell you milk and find a local farm like there's a lot of people that sell eggs because a lot of people have backyard chickens like if you're in a place where you can get a few chickens like get a few chickens because if you have eggs and sourdough bread like that's a really good start right that is a good start yeah we get our eggs from a local farmer that i just found on um like the classified ads on online so yeah. i know it's possible okay so to close things up here what suggestions would you give my followers of where to start if they wanted to follow their dreams or follow their passions or even start homesteading where where do they start yeah I think start small and start with things that you enjoy like if they're if you know you've been wanting to get a few chickens like challenge yourself get a few chickens start with just a few like start with four chickens if you've been wanting to do sourdough bread like it can seem very intimidating, just like watching people do it, reading instructions. But for me, I invited a friend over and she taught me her method. And that's how it all started. It's There's so many people around you that are willing to help as well that would love to share how they make sourdough bread. Or there's local farmers that would love for you to buy from them. So start small, start simple. I would say create more and consume less is what I try to do. And that brings my family a lot of joy. I love that. It's just start small because I agree. Just try one little thing and see how it goes. And if you like it, keep going. If not, try something else. 
So I love that. So tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can find Ballerina Farm Products, more about your farm. Tell them where they can find you. Okay. Yeah. So we're pretty active on Instagram. You can see uh, our farming practices. We try to show a lot of the animals, how they're raised, what our meat box looks like. So we try to show a lot on Instagram. So Ballerina Farm on Instagram. We also have ballerinafarm.com where you can buy weekly meat boxes. We also have a meat box subscription. If you want to sign up for like a, a meat box every month or every other month, we have that. And yeah, website and Instagram. Okay. And I always close my show with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? You know, I think the one of the best things about farming, two, I'll say two things. One of the, the best two things about farming is that I get to be with the people I love, my family, and I get to be outside a good portion of the day, which I think are two really good ingredients for um, just happiness, overall happiness. So get outside as much as possible and spend time with the people that you care about because life is, it goes by so fast. (laughs) It does. Those are two great things. Love, spending time with your family and being outside. I love it. Both those are so good for your health. Thank you, Hannah, so much for being here. Your account on Instagram is just so fun to watch and I know people love it. That's why you've just grown so much lately. Um, They love seeing your kids working and your, well, you're dancing when you're doing your ballet stuff and your farm life. It's just such a fun Instagram account to follow. So everybody listening, if you don't follow her, go follow for some really fun entertainment. And you learn a lot too. You'll learn all about the sourdough and gardening and with the cattle, things like that. So thank you again, Hannah, for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, it's been an honor. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.